Good morning. I hope you had a great uh, weekend. And this morning we're going to go ahead and continue with our uh, Because of Bethlehem Christmas series. Um, even though this is a Lady Sunday school class, um, anybody can listen to it. So um, I hope you enjoy it. And I'll just start reading and we'll have um, prayer at the end. So this is chapter three, Saved from Ourselves. I tried to blame my, be- my behavior on the holiday traffic. The Thanksgiving weekend had turned the streets near the shopping mall into controlled chaos. I tried to blame my misdeeds on my state of mind. I was driving to my in-laws' house, having spent most of the day helping to plan a funeral for um, Denley's ever-weakening mother. I tried to blame my poor reaction on reckless on the reckless U-turn made by the teenager. He nearly clipped my bumper. The traffic arrow invited me to make a right turn into the busy avenue. As I did, the teenager made a sudden stop, unexpected hairpin turn around the medium. We nearly shared paint. I honked at him. I'll confess my honk wasn't polite. Um, excuse me, I'm over here. It was long and strong and demanded, do you know what you almost did? He drove a low-riding, wide-wheeled, two-toned exhaust puffing jalopy that dated back to the 80s. It needed a muffler. It also needed more a more mature passenger. As the car accelerated, a long arm came out the, of the window on the passenger side and gave me a backhanded one-finger wave. I sped up. Thanks to the traffic light, I, I was soon side-by-side with the per- perpetrator. He was still he still had his window down. I lowered mine. He looked up at me. He wore a baseball cap shoved over a mop of black hair. The brim of the cap faced sideways. So did the smirk on his face. You need to watch, you need to watch that wave, son. In an ideal world, he would have apologized, and I would have wished him Merry Christmas, and I wouldn't be telling you the story. But the world is not ideal. When I told him to watch that wave, he smirked and demanded more. Make me. Make me. That was the last time I heard some. When was the last time I heard someone say "make me"? Middle school, high school. There was that scuffle after the graduation party. Make me. That's what teens say. Of course, he was a teen. He didn't have a whisker on him. He was a skinny, flop-haired, testosterone-laden adolescent who was filling his filling his oats, riding shotgun in his buddy's muscles car. Muscle car. As for me, I'm a 60-year-old pastor who writes Christian books and speaks at conferences and feels a call to make the world a better place. I should, have raised my, I should have raised my window, but I didn't. I looked down at him, literally and metaphorically said, with my own version of a smirk, Now what did you say? Make me, he repeated. The saints in heavens were saying, Drive away, Lucado. Common sense was urging, Drive away, Lucado. The better angels of the universe were prompting, Drive away, Lucado. I didn't listen. The dare of the punk activated the punk inside me. The punk I hadn't seen in decades. I snarled, okay, where do you want to go? His eyes widened to the size of a hamburger patties. He couldn't believe I had said that. I couldn't believe I had said that. You couldn't believe I had said that. When he realized I was serious, he became the same. Let's settle this at the shopping mall. Are you kidding? I told him there are too many people at the shopping mall Follow me. What? Of all of a sudden, I was the expert on where to go? <coughs> Excuse me, I had to sneeze, and I don't know how to edit the podcast. Okay, it says, the light turned and I accelerated. In my side view mirror, I could see that the two boys were engaged in a heated exchange. 
What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? He looks pretty cranky. Yeah, he might have a weapon or something. By the time I reached the next stoplight, they were nowhere to be seen. They must have turned into the parking lot. Boy, was I relieved. I drove the rest of the way to my in-law's house, asking myself, Did you really just dare a kid to fight? Are you crazy? I'd like to blame my behavior on my state of mind, the stress of the traffic, the driver who nearly hit me, or the passenger who pushed my buttons. But I can blame my bizarre behavior on only one thing, the punk inside me. For a few minutes at a stoplight near a shopping mall, I forgot who I was. And I forgot who the teenager was. In that heated moment, he wasn't someone's son. He wasn't a creation of God. He wasn't a miracle. He wasn't fearfully, wonderfully made. He was a disrespectful jerk, and I let him bring, me, bring out the disrespectful jerk in me. The Bible has a name for this punkish tendency, sin. The sinful nature is the stubborn, self-centered attitude that says, my way or the highway. The sinful nature is all about self, pleasing self, promoting self, preserving self. Sin is selfish. I have a sin nature, and so do you. Merry Christmas. Under the right circumstances, you will do the wrong thing. You won't want to. You won't want to. You'll try not to, but you will. Why? Because you have a sin nature. You were born with, born with it. We all were. Our parents didn't teach us to throw temper tantrums. We were born with a skill. No one showed us how to steal a cookie from our sibling. We just knew. We never attended a class on pouting or passing, passing the blame, but we could do both before we were out of diapers. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Each one of us entered the world with a sin nature. God entered the world to take it away. Christmas com- commemorates the day and the way God saved us from ourselves. Look carefully at the words the angel spoke to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. We may not see, oh, I'm sorry, that uh, those verses were from Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. We may not see the connection between the name Jesus and the phrase, save his people from their sins, but Joseph Joseph would have. He was familiar with the Hebrew language. The English name Jesus traces its origins to the Hebrew word Yeshua. Yeshua is a shortening of Yehoshua, which means Yahweh saves. Who was Jesus? God saves. What did Jesus come to do? God saves. God saves. Jesus was not just godly, godlike, God-hungry, God-focused, or God-worshipping. He was God. Not merely a servant of God, instrument of God, or a friend of God, but Jesus was God. God saves, not emphasizes, cares, listens, helps, assists, or applauds. God saves. Specifically, He will save His people from their sins. Verse 21. That was from Matthew. Jesus came to save us, not just from politics, enemies, challenges, or difficulties. He came to save us from our own sins. Here's why. God has, God has high plans for you and me. He is recruiting for himself a people who will populate heaven. God will restore his planet and his children to their garden of Eden's splendor. It will be perfect. Perfect in splendor. Perfect in righteousness. Perfect in harmony. One word describes heaven. Perfect. One word describes us, imperfect. God's kingdom is perfect, but his children are not. So what is he to do? Abandon us? Start over? He could, but he loves us too much to do that. 
Will he tolerate us with our sin nature, populate heaven with rebellious, self-centered citizens? If so, how would heaven be heaven? He has a greater plan. God was pleased for all of himself to live in Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. All the love of God was in Jesus. All the strength of God was in Jesus. All the compassion and power and devotion of God were, for a time, in the earthly body of a carpenter. No wonder the winds obeyed when Jesus spoke. He was God speaking. No wonder the bacteria fled when Jesus touched the wounds. He was God touching. No wonder the, the water held him as he walked. He was God walking. No wonder the people stood speechless as he taught. He was God teaching. And no wonder 10,000 angels stood in rapt attention as Jesus was nailed to the cross. He was God dying. He let people crucify him for goodness sake. He became sin for our sake. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And that was from 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 21. What started in the Bethlehem cradle accumulated on the Jerusalem cross. But that's not all. Jesus did not only work for us, he does a work within us. The mystery in, the mystery in a nutshell is this. Christ is in you. Colossians 1, 27. Sorry, I'm baking muffins. He command, he com, sorry, he com, commanders our hands and feet, requisitions, gosh, these are big words, our minds and tongues. He decided from the onset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. Romans eight twenty nine, Having paid sin's penalty, Christ diffuses sin's power. The punk within diminishes and the Christ within flourishes. God changes us day by day from one level to the next. We'll never be sinless, but we will sin less. And when we do sin, we have the assurance that the grace that saved us also preserves us. We may lose our tempers, our perspective, and our self-control, but we never lose our hope. And why is that? Because God has, has his hold on us. He is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Jude verse 24. The believer has been saved from the guilt of sin, is being saved from the problems of sin, and upon the return of Christ will be saved from the punishment of our sin, complete and full service salvation. God saves, and only God saves. If we could save ourselves, why would we need a Savior? Jesus did not enter the world to help us save ourselves. He entered the world to save us from ourselves. As a Boy Scout, I earned a life-saving merit badge, I never actually saved anyone. In fact, the only per- people I saved were the other Boy Scouts who didn't need to be saved. During training, I would rescue other trainees. We took turns saving each other. But since we weren't really drowning, we resisted being rescued. Stop kicking me. Let me save you, I would say. It's impossible to save those who are trying to save themselves. You might save yourself from a broken heart or going broke or running of, out of gas, But you aren't good enough to save yourself from sin. You aren't strong enough to save yourself from death. You need a Savior. Because at Bethlehem, you have one. When you say yes to Him, He says yes to you. He will change your sin nature into His nature. Good to know, especially in the holiday traffic. If these words were to find their way to a couple of brash kids who recognize this story, to you, I'm sorry, your actions were wrong, but my reaction was worse. God is working on us all. That was an awesome chapter, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Stay tuned um, 
for chapter four, Hope for the Holidays. And we'll just go ahead and end in prayer. Lord, thank you for this uh, book that was written by Max Lucado because of Bethlehem. As we know, this has been such a difficult year for everyone in more than ways, you know, not just a pandemic, but family health scares, um, financial, uh, whatever, you know, whatever people are going through, you know, you know, their struggles. And we all know this has been a different year. And we just want to say thank you for this Christmas season and that no matter what happens and the rest of 2020, we can always hope for Christmas because there's nothing Nothing can happen that can take away that from us. And we're just so thankful for that. In your name we pray. Amen.